so as we, um, you guys can hit the lights, as we um, continue on in our series, so the month of December is a really big deal for obviously a lot of reasons. You know, we celebrate Jesus' birth and all that kind of stuff, which is really good. Um, but also one of the cool things that we get the chance to do as a church family is to support missionaries all across the world. And um, it's called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering is how we end up doing this. And so the people that you just saw, Nathan and Amber, live in Southeast Asia. And we've shown videos and they've actually been here several different times. Lauren and I have known them for like 12 years now. Um, Lauren served in, Lauren and I both served when they were on staff at Brainerd Baptist as a kids ministry. Um, we both served with them in kids ministry there. And God called them from that point to go to Southeast Asia and to serve overseas. And from there, they've been able to do a, a lot of different types of stuff. Um, and so what, what is able to happen through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is every dime that is given goes directly to support uh, overseas missions and through our partner, the International Mission Board. And so this week and next week is kind of our emphasis on prayer, but also on giving. Throughout the year to this point, our goal is $50,000. And up to this point in the year, we've been able to raise $17,000, which is really, really good. And so we're excited. If the Lord lays it on your heart to, to give through this month to the Lottie Boone Christmas offering to support international missions, then I encourage you to be, um, to be a good steward in that because God really blesses that. And it allows our missionaries to stay on the field. And it also allows them to, to, to actually be cared for in, um, in some really great ways. And so that's why we showed that video. These are partners that we have. Next week, you'll see another one of our partners, Will and Bonnie in Central Asia which is uh, another kind of closed country area. So we're not gonna show and share this on social media or anything like that, but um, your gifts really matter. And so that's the reason that we um, show these every year. And so if you have your copy of God's word as we transition, um, we're gonna be in Matthew 1 for just a moment. And then we're gonna jump back into Mark chapter five. And this morning we're gonna be talking about the idea of of freedom. Jesus says in Luke 4, 18, that, that he re, he's reading this scroll of Isaiah in the temple. And this is one of the first things that he does. And he's publicly, and he reads this from Isaiah. It says that, that he has come to, be, to bring liberty to the captives. And then in just a, a few short words after that, he says, he closes the scroll and he says, this has been fulfilled today in your presence. One of the ministries of Jesus is that he brings freedom into our lives, freedom from sin and, and freedom to pursue what we are actually supposed to pursue, or the ability to actually walk with God. And so as we look at Matthew 1 today, what we find is kind of a prediction of this. And we see this again in verse 18. So when you get to Matthew 1, 18, say word. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had betrothed to Joseph, 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. He's going to bring freedom. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, as uh, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Over the Advent season, last week we looked at the gospel, God being with us in the person of Jesus, and now in the person of the Holy Spirit brings peace. This week we're looking at the idea that, that through the gospel we experience freedom, and we're going to look at what that looks like. But the first thing that I want us to consider before we dive into Mark 5 is the relationship between what we believe to be true and how that actually acts out in our life. And some of you who've been around have, have seen this doll. Um, it's, it's, I don't even know exactly what it is, but it is, it's a Christmas ornament back in 2019, um, I don't know why I had this idea to, to go buy a Christmas tree for us, a little pencil tree. And basically what I said was, if you and your family want to bring an ornament from your house and like decorate it as a church family tree, then please feel free to do so. And some people did that and, and it was really cool. It was a really cool thing and, and it kind of brought a, a lot of camaraderie. But that January, as we kind of broke the tree down and those types of things, we came across this ornament right here. And this ornament says, it's written on it, that says Pastor Allen. And he even has a beard, which I'm really excited about. And he's wearing a suit, which I've never, I don't wear very often, but I loved it. And it's been on the tree ever since. You will find this, this ornament there every year. I still to this day have no idea who did it, why they did it, when they did it, don't know anything about it. Just I know for a fact that this, that first year was on the tree when I brought it down and it was not there when I put it up. And I was not the one that put it on there or made it. And so to whoever did it, thank you. It's wonderful. It's part of our Christmas tradition now. Everyone wonders where the Allen ornament is. And most of the time it's in my office until it's like Elf on the Shelf. And he comes out in December. And so it's Alan on the tree. But imagine for a second, and I'm not going to lie to you. I wondered, I'm like, is somebody putting a voodoo doll on this tree? I'm like, what's going on here? Imagine believing the lie that this was a voodoo doll meant for my cursing, not for um, a, meant to be a blessing or meant to be funny or meant to be a, a wonderful gift, whatever it was meant to be. Again, I don't know. I don't ever have to know. But 
that if I believed that it was something that was meant for my evil, then that would have control over me in the way that I perceived it, right? Of course it would. I, I would probably handle this doll differently. Like I, I wouldn't like hit it in the belly thinking, oh man, well, maybe it would slim my belly, then, then I would do it more. But if not, like it's just one of those things. The way that we think about things affects how we live our life. It controls us in some of the, the way. And that's one of the things that I want us to experience today is not just freedom from, uh, we're going to find a demon-possessed man this morning. And, and, but I'll, I will just venture to say the vast majority of us in here are probably not demon-possessed. And so I want to explore for us the ways in which we are still manipulated and controlled and coerced by Satan and how we can experience freedom in Christ in these areas. Because we believe that in Christ, Jesus is with us and he desires for us to experience a great deal of freedom in him. And so let's look at Mark chapter five, beginning in verse one, and we'll find this man who is just gripped in captivity and sin. They came to the other side of the sea, meaning Jesus and his disciples, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding him, feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs and the herd numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had just happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting out of the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Jesus has come to set free those who are captive. 
In whatever way that we are captive, Jesus desires to set us free. So the main purpose this morning, I want us to see, I want you to see as we read this, Jesus' authority over everything. He's, he is the one that has authority over these demons. But he is also the one that has drawn near to the man that no one else would draw near to, to love him. And so I want us to ultimately see and be willing to take to Jesus everything that we have to experience the freedom and healing that he brings. And the first way that we see Jesus drawing near to this man is we see in verse 1 that he came across the sea to meet him. He came across the sea for one purpose. This was inconvenient, out of his way. He had no other reason to go to the land of the Gerizines except for this one appointment. So Jesus came across the sea for the demon-possessed man. We see this again in verse 1. They, meaning the disciples and Jesus, came to the other side of the sea and to the country of the Gerizines. Now, what is the Gerizines? So they cross the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus and the 12 go to this area that's mostly made up of Gentiles. Now, Jesus, in many places, will say that I have come first to whom? Israel, right? I've come first to them, and the message of the gospel will then spread out further. But he goes into this area early, fairly early in his ministry to the Gerizines that is mostly made up of Gentiles for this man. And what we find in this text is a wrestling match over this man's soul. There's so much about our existence and life that we have no concept of, uh, like, actually of what's happening. There's an, an entire spiritual battle that's going on in, in, in our lives and surrounding us and in other people's lives that most of the time, unless we're thinking with spiritual eyes and, and looking and seeing with spiritual eyes, we just don't see it. We don't think about it. But Jesus approaches this man. He goes across to see him, knowing the spiritual condition of this guy, that it's one of death and despair. And so they come across the sea and this guy meets him and we get a little bit of detail about who this guy is, right? So Jesus stepped out of the boat and immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. It says he lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore not even with a chain. Know the progression of this. And whatever area of our life, even as believers, if, if Satan still has a foothold in your life, it doesn't start out at the worst possible place. It begins slowly with just a thought. And over the period of time, we begin to continue to buy in to the lie. We continue to give ourselves to whatever it is, and it grows stronger and stronger and stronger. In this case, it's, it's a physical, an actual demon that is controlling him. In fact, we'll find that it's a legion of demons. And so death totally surrounds this man. He was possessed and defiled and for all intents and purposes had no life to speak of. The Jews believed that touching a dead body would defile you. But this guy was living with the dead. 
His home would be caverns with dead bodies surrounding it. Satan had this man in his grips and it brought about incredible destruction. His shrieking could be heard throughout the countryside. People just left him alone because they couldn't control him. And so they just left him to his despair. And so out of hope or, or for relief, either by exorcism or death, it says that he would cut himself. So maybe he was looking for some kind of relief. Maybe he was just trying to ultimately kill himself, but the, the demons wouldn't let him. But he, he was seeking for some measure of relief, it says. But he would continue to break out of the shackles. No one had the strength to subdue him, verse 4 says. So night and day, verse 5, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. But verse 6 when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Somehow, his deliverer had actually come. That's amazing to me. What we find is Jesus come to the other side of the sea for this man. And then, and then he goes back. Jesus first pursued this man just as he first pursues us. Now we have to come to him, but make, make, make no mistake, he's come to us first. We see this in Romans 5, 8, that but God shows his love for us that while we were what? Still sinners, Christ died for us. We see in the condition of this man a kind of a caricature or a larger than life size version of ourselves. That even though we may not be physically like this before Christ, spiritually we were in the same condition and were possessed in the idea that we were of children of darkness, not children of light. Thank goodness Jesus comes, right? That candle that's being lit as we await the long expected return of Jesus is he's going to eradicate all of this stuff it's so good. But then we see that Jesus doesn't just come over, but he actually casts out the demons. That's the second truth that we see. The second way that Jesus, in his presence, in his coming, touches this man's life. That Jesus actually casts the demons out from him. Look at verse 6. He says, it ran down and fell before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, and notice, this, at this point, this is the demons talking through him. What have you to do with me, son of the most high God? I adjure you. I mean, I plead with you. I'm asking you, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are Many And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. So he gave them permission to go into these pigs. And the pigs immediately descend into uh, the depth of this ravine. So we find now Jesus addressing this spirit directly. No, and this spirit knows that he's met his match. They've met their match. And so how does Jesus approach this? Does he, does he address just sort of kind of the situation 
Now he addresses the issue directly. He says, unclean spirit, come out of this man. Who are you? When Jesus comes into our life, he sets us free from sin. He washes us clean. But there are times in our lives when there are still what we would call strongholds in our lives where Jesus has to come and specifically set us free from individual beliefs, individual actions, individual sins that we must, he must directly speak to, that we must be willing to give over to him. And it has to come directly. And so that's why Jesus speaks to this demon directly. We can't expect to find healing, beloved, that if we're not willing to confront and admit where there's issues. So Jesus says, come out of that man, you unclean spirit. Now, what does a legion mean? A legion of Roman soldiers was 6,000 soldiers. So by this demon saying we are legion, it could potentially be up to like, around 6,000 demons working as one great spiritual enemy in this guy's life. It's crazy. Man was possessed by thousands of demons. It says none had the strength to subdue this guy. So he had superhuman strength, but Jesus had authority over him and he spoke to them and he said, come out of this man, you unclean spirit. And we know that Jesus has authority over them because they ask permission for, for them to go into the pigs rather than to be cast out somewhere else. And so Jesus grants that and then the pigs go and die. And I think Jesus granting that is as much for the demoniac as it is for anything else. We need visible symbols in our lives to remind us that we are not who we once were. That by God's grace, we have been taken from our past and delivered into what we are becoming and will become. And so Jesus gives this man, by his grace, that testimony. Beloved, it is in Christ alone that we will find freedom from our sin, from the, the nagging things in our life that, that control us still. The, the bad beliefs, right? The bad beliefs that this would be a, a voodoo doll. So how does this kind of connect with us? How does, how does this text connect with us? Because as Christians, if you're in here and you are a true believer in Christ, the Bible tells us that we are possessed by whom? The Holy Spirit, right? And just as a house, when a house is possessed and owned and lived in, someone else isn't going to be able to come and live there as well unless it's with their permission. And where there is light, there can be no darkness. So you and I as believers don't ever have to worry about being possessed by a demon. That is not something we have to worry about. But we can be influenced by them. In fact, Paul writes to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 6, this entire kind of discourse about how we must be ready with our spiritual armor to fight the spiritual warfare of, of kind of what God has given to us and allowed for us to still have to deal with. And so we are influenced and tempted still by demonic forces. 
And I would even say even demonic beliefs. So what are these ideas? I mentioned the word strongholds earlier, and that's not a word we use very often in the Baptist church. Some of you are like, now we're getting charismatic in here, so we need to stop that. Somebody's going to start speaking in tongues. No, 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 no. So strongholds are this. That is places where our mindset, our beliefs, and our actions align with the world or align with Satan rather than God. And so there may be places in your life right now as a believer where Satan still has you where he wants you. He's free. Jesus has freed you that you can walk freely in his grace, but there are places in your life right now, and you can probably name them almost immediately. You're most aware oftentimes of your own sin. And you're like, yeah, he's still got me there. And quite frankly, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to kick it. I read this book earlier this week called Victory Over the Darkness. And in it, the author tells this story. And I want to read this story to you because it's pretty powerful. A young lady was struggling with taking 75 laxatives a day. And so in this counseling session, he said, I asked her to repeat after me, I renounce defecating as a means of cleansing myself. And I trust in the cleansing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after doing so, she broke down and cried for 10 minutes. And I asked her what she was thinking after she had finished crying and during that time. She said, I can't believe all the lies I have been believing. He said, you don't get rid of evil by cutting yourself or purging or defecating or punishing yourself. You get rid of it by submitting to God and resisting the devil through genuine repentance and faith in God. He says, if Satan can deceive you into believing a lie, he can gain some measure of control in your life. Another example in this same book, he says, would be unresolved anger or bitterness. He goes on to say this, and this quote will be on the screen. I've had the privilege to help people around the world find their freedom in Christ. In every case, forgiveness was an issue, and in many cases, it was the issue that needed to be resolved. And so what are we to say about this? That Jesus has set us free just as he has set the demoniac free. But we must walk in it. And we must not be outwitted by Satan. It's the very thing Paul tells the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, so that, he's saying, forget, like, he's talking about forgiveness here, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. If you live in kind of this fairy tale land, believing that there's not an enemy that hates you, then you're gonna be outwitted by Satan. But God has given us everything available in Christ, including the truth, the truth of God's word and the power of the gospel to set us free in all of these things. So what happens next? We see in verse 15 that Jesus restores dignity to this man. So he casts the demons out. He allows him to begin to walk in a new life. And we see this man in a totally different light than anyone has seen him before. Look at verse 15. And they came to Jesus, they is the, the townspeople, and saw this demon-possessed man. This is how he was known. 
He was the crazy guy sitting there clothed and in his right mind. The book of Luke tells this story and it says that he, they came and saw him sitting at the feet of Jesus. That he didn't know where else to go, but he was, he was just sitting and soaking in Jesus' presence. And Jesus restores his dignity. A man that had been cutting himself and probably was unclothed and unbathed was now clothed. Man who was hysterical and yelling probably with many different voices, being tormented, was now sitting calmly, listening and soaking in the presence of Jesus. And notice that it says he was in his right mind. So much of the battle of the Christian life is a battle for our mind. Because if you can get to the mind, you can influence the soul and you can influence our actions. So make no mistake, the battle in our lives, in your life, with Jesus still remains in the mind. It's the reason Proverbs 23, 7 says it this way. For as he thinks... He himself is. For as he thinks within himself, so he is. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, Paul says this, Brothers, do not be what? Children in your thinking. Be infants and evil, but in thinking, be mature. Why is that important? Because what we believe about certain things influences everything else about us. And Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. We must follow Jesus and give him every aspect of our lives. Thank goodness if the battle is for our minds, thank the Lord that God and Jesus has provided a provision for us to renew it. This is what Paul says in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world. Meaning there are influences that are going to press upon you. There are beliefs. There are things in our life that are going to be pressed upon you. You don't have to give in. But he says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So where's your mind at? Are there things that you feel like, man, I'm, I'm living the way of the world here. You need to renounce that. Repent of it. And trust in Jesus' way. The demoniac did, and he was changed forever. The final thing that I want us to see as we conclude is that Jesus not only restores him, but then he gives him purpose and direction in his life. Look at the very kind of close to the final verse, verse 19. And he did not permit him, because this guy wanted to, of course, he wanted to walk and go with his Savior all the way. He wanted to be in the presence of Jesus. Of, who wouldn't? After what has just happened? But Jesus says, no, I've got a better assignment for you. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled at it. In his gratitude, this guy begged to follow Jesus, but Jesus said, I've got something better for you. You're going to be my witness. I want you to go to places that will not get to, most likely get to see me in physical form. And I want you to 
tell them what I've done for you. I want you to tell them. This guy didn't know everything about Jesus, obviously. He didn't have a chance to go to seminary. He hadn't had a chance to read the book of Revelation yet. He didn't, he didn't know exactly what the Levitical priest did, but he knew exactly what Jesus had done for him. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, you don't have to know it all. You don't have, it, it, it's good to learn. It's good to challenge your mind, to grow. Obviously, the mind is where the battlefield is at play. But he's saying, you don't have to be there to go and tell and be witnesses to how much I've loved you and the grace that I've shown you, how much I've transformed your life. You don't have to have read the whole Bible to go into your seventh grade class and to share that, that Jesus is doing some really cool things in your life and in your church. You don't, have to do, you don't have to know everything to go to your coworkers, but you have to have met Jesus. He says, go and be my witnesses. And he says, they went to the Decapolis, which is the 10 cities of, of Gentiles, and it says they marveled at it. We don't know what the fruit is, but the goal is not the fruit, it's in the faithfulness. And so what are we to remember and take away from this? That Jesus gives us freedom. And he gives us freedom because he's not far. Remember from last week? Jesus is not far. Jesus is not scared of the places that are difficult in your life. He's not weak. He's not indifferent. He cares. He loves you. He still transforms and restores today. I wouldn't be up here if he didn't. Because otherwise we're just reading a history book in front of 200 people. And that would just be silly. Right? But Jesus is still transforming. And the final thing, the thing that we add this week is Jesus wants us to partner with him as witnesses. That's the thing that we add even more. Jesus wants to partner with, uh, with him as witnesses for him. And the reason he didn't do so, some of you might have, have caught this, the reason he didn't do so after he told all the people of the synagogue not to go and tell everybody, you can go read that in verse 43 of Mark 5, is because he didn't want his ministry to become just a healing ministry. He had something more impactful to do and that was to teach people about that he is the Christ. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe there's some lies that you've been believing and there's some sin that you're in and you need to repent and trust in Christ to cleanse you from that. Maybe you're in a position where the Lord has delivered you from, from things. Maybe you need to be a witness and share what Jesus has done for you. If you need prayer, then I'm gonna be in the front. But as we celebrate the, the Christmas season this morning. I, I, I just want us to be reminded of Jesus' nearness and his power and his love for you and for the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are redeeming us and you will not stop your redemption until every part of us is fully redeemed and looks like your son. And so there may be some hidden places in our lives this morning that in, in our mind or in our, in our actions, in, um, in the stillness and quiet of our bedroom or anything like that, God, where we need to do some business and open up our, 
hearts to you. Jesus, I pray that, that you will bring liberty to the captives. It doesn't necessarily happen overnight. The temptation doesn't necessarily go away. But God, I, I pray that, that you will sustain us, that, that we will walk in the fact that we are free, that we're now called saints, we're now called children of God. Yeah, we go back to the way that we once used to live, but Jesus, I pray that you will help us. Your spirit is, is that of, that is our strength, it's our comfort, it's our source of joy. And I, I pray, Lord Jesus, that this, this Christmas season, we will um, truly believe that and consider it, that you are with us. You are not far, you're not indifferent. You're not weak, you're not scared. And God, you desire to restore us just as you restored the demoniac. And you gave us purpose. Help us to be courageous witnesses of all the things that you've done for us. We don't have to know it all. God, forgive us when we feel like we do and forgive us if we feel like we'd know it all. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.